Greathorn Email Security protects organizations from advanced threats such as impersonations, credential theft, and zero-day attacks. With Greathorn, you will detect and block more phishing threats from reaching users, reduce risk by providing employees with in-the-moment education, and quickly remove dangerous emails from inboxes in just two clicks. Greathorn protects your organization before, during, and after an email attack. Schedule a demo by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash Greathorn. When it comes to modernizing identity, Active Directory just makes everything harder, from managing access for contractors and departing employees to securing cloud apps and on-prem systems. Your company deserves better. Choose Okta, the modern identity platform that securely connects anyone that touches your organization to any technology they want to use. Okta reduces AD vulnerabilities, secures not only employees, but contractors and customers, simplifies domain consolidation, and reduces your attack surface. To learn more, visit securityweekly.com forward slash Okta. Security can't solve crucial problems when they have to wade through thousands of alerts a day. With ServiceNow, you can easily prioritize and respond to your most crucial business threats. That way you can go from overwhelmed to under control. ServiceNow brings security, risk, and IT together on one platform. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash ServiceNow. Welcome back, everyone, to Enterprise Security Weekly. The new Security Weekly website is officially live. You can go to securityweekly.com, check out all the new features, specifically the ability to uh, filter on certain categories and or tags to find the content that most interests you. All righty, Matt. Uh, the topic for this segment is uh, one that is uh, very familiar to Matt and myself, and I put a different spin on it. Um, I don't think we've talked about the appropriate ways in which to evaluate vulnerability management solutions, if not in some time, in the landscape has very much changed. I think it was the uh, interview that will air tomorrow evening uh, with the folks from Qualys. Correct. Um, yeah, we, we, did, we pre-recorded that last week. Yeah, it'll air tomorrow night. Sumed yeah. and, uh, and Philippe. I mean, Philippe. two folks that just, I mean, they have over 20 years of experience, right, doing vulnerability management. Uh, it was just an awesome interview. And it kind of sparked, like, today, what would I take into consideration when I evaluate vulnerability management? I think even since the time I was at Tenable, it's changed pretty significantly, actually, in the past five years or so, right? Yeah, the, there's certain things that are the same, mm -hmm. and we can talk about what's kind of the same. And then each of the vendors have done different things to differentiate themselves over the others. And, and I do a lot of advisory calls to financial folks, right? They all want to know about the vulnerability management market and who who's who's differentiated and, and how mm -hmm. do you differentiate? Because, you know, now that the big three are public, you know, all these financial guys, all these financial analysts trying to figure out where they're going to place their bets, which horse is going to win. And so I do a lot of these conversations, um, you know, probably a couple times a month with different financial folks. So a lot of the topics we're going to cover here are things that yeah. I talk to financial guys about as well as potentially security folks. I, and I think, you know, deployment, largely these items here really haven't changed. The basic premise of deployment, right? Like whether it's the solution is deployed on premise or in the cloud. Yeah, I think the first decision point that most people have to think about is, am I comfortable with my vulnerability data in the cloud? Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that is yes, then you're really looking at Qualys as kind of the leader when it comes to they, cloud they, vulnerability management. The interview They've very been, much established, right? They were the first there when everyone was really poo-pooing the cloud thing. Exactly. I mean, 
Qualys started this in 1999, have been doing it for almost 20 years now, or over 20 years. Um, this is this is their bread and butter. Yep. Now, Tenable and Rapid7 have cloud-based solutions, but if you look at the capabilities of their platforms versus what mm-hmm. Qualys has built, the maturity level is still not there, in my opinion. Right now, uh, does Rapid Seven again, have a, a full, a full like SaaS? So, I mean, Tenable has Tenable IO, which is a right. SaaS solution for that. Features aside, right? Yep. For some time, Rapid Seven didn't have that true SaaS offering. They could stand up an instance for you, but do they have a true SaaS offering? Now? Yeah. After they bought, I believe they leveraged some of the technologies they bought from log entries and created mm-hmm. Insight VM. Mm-hmm. And Insight VM is a SaaS-based version of Nextpose. Gotcha. Okay. And so both Tenable and Rapid7 have caught cloud up. capabilities, but they're, yeah, they've caught up to an extent. Sure. Um, again, I, I would still argue that Qualys's capabilities are probably the most mature when it comes to cloud. So that's one decision point. Are we looking now, at any other vendors aside from the top, the big three? Yeah, so the only other ones that are going to play into this mix, right, is Outpost 24 mm-hmm. uh, from Europe, who, who have been making some inroads in the U.S. Uh, I, I believe they also have a, a SaaS cloud-based platform. Mm-hmm. I would consider them kind of number four. You still have a couple solutions out there like OpenVaz and GreenBone out of yep. Germany. <clears throat> and I think there's a one other one, Digital Defense, that's yep. been building some technology. But you know, those guys are all at, at a different level. I mean, mm-hmm. you've, you've got to realize that Qualys, Tenable, and Rapid7, the three of them from a revenue perspective is basically a billion dollars in a 1.1 to 1.2 billion dollar market. Sure. They're not okay. a lot left for anybody else. And, and yep. Tripwire is still around a bit yep. under the under the Belkin um, merger from Toma Bravo. But again, you're not really seeing them in the large enterprise. It's one of the three, pretty much. And Beyond Trust, which is now Bombgar, had a scanning solution that was the old uh, e- EI Retina. EI Retina, EI Retina. right? Yep. So they're still around too, but again, their focus has really been more on the identity side, especially mm-hmm. with Bombgar and mm-hmm. Beyond Trust and all these guys coming together. I'm not even sure what's happening with the Retina product after that acquisition. I, yeah, I haven't I'm not seen sure either. Hiding or hair of it in a long time. Yeah, we haven't covered an announcement of any any kind uh, with relation to vulnerability scanning. Okay, Correct. so I mean, we basically have in the enterprise your top three choices, right? Which, right. Uh, you know, like you said, represent the, the majority of the market share. They all yeah, have the cloud thing, versus on-prem. Right. Now, now let's talk on-prem for a second, right? So let's say you want the solution to be on-prem. That's when you're traditionally going to look at Tenable and Rapid7 because sure. of their strength of their on-prem solutions. Now, part of the interview we had with Philippe and Sumed uh, last week is they do have an on-prem solution. Mm-hmm. They can bundle up the cloud solution and deploy it. Sure. There is some cost associated to do that, I believe, mm-hmm. still. And, and so it can be done. But but if you're an on-prem view, you're typically going to look at Tenable or Rapid7 as your, your primary initial choices. Uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. But that's because they still have pretty, they have really strong on-prem solutions like Security Center and Expos. Right. Now, when we come to what I dubbed as authenticated scanning, right? Um, you really, I mean, agents is one way to overcome that, right? It kind of bypasses the authentication stage and just puts software on every, everything that you want to collect that telemetry from. Uh, there's differences in all, we could do a whole segment, right? On the differences between the agents. There's other yep. ways to do an authenticated credential scan, right? Directly into your infrastructure, like active directory, um, was an option. I know when I was still working in the space, 
Also, if you've got any kind of uh, identity management or privilege access management system, you can also do that integration for it to grant it access as well. I think largely what we've come down to, and there was a lot of pushback in the market when they, all the vendors started releasing the agent, I really truly believe that's the way to go to get that vulnerability data and other data, right? Because they all have got ways to get other data from those systems uh, off your endpoints. Yeah, so let's talk unauthenticated versus authenticated scanning and the reason why you need it. If you don't have credentials to the box, you're only scanning for remotely exploitable vulnerabilities, which, mm -hmm. okay, I need to have. But if you think about a well-crafted phishing attack that gains access to the box and you have local vulnerabilities that can be exploited, yeah. how do you know if those local exploits exist without an authenticated scan? Okay, so that, that's the reason why you need authenticated scanning. And if you're going to do any level of configuration auditing, which comes on this list in a little bit, you, sure. need, you need authentication as well. So now the question is, how do you do it? So in the early days, the way everybody did it or, or started to do it was you could give the scanner credentials to log into the device. Now, that's great if you're under an AD environment or somewhere mm -hmm. where you have centralized credentials harder if you have a lot of credentials because it's really hard to manage all the, the authentication records that were needed. Then we saw people say, okay, well, that's great, but now I've got a password vault. So integrate with my password vault, pull the credentials there, give them to the scanner and do that. And so a lot of that was very complex from an administration yeah. standpoint. Agents simplified that dramatically because now you could just deploy the agent who had local access to the box and use the agent technology to now give you all of that data. Yeah, and when we look at uh, how you're deploying infrastructure into the cloud and in containerized environments, it, to me, an agent makes more sense. It kind of made this resurgence, right? Containers, I think, largely drove that, as we see a lot of different technologies that, like, agent's not necessarily the right term, but, you know, it's a small little piece of software that you're hooking into your containers when you deploy them. Uh, we've done, I've done it with Signal Sciences. It's, it's not a big deal to just hook something else into your uh, containers at build time, then they're there in, in runtime, and you're off to the races. Yeah. Um, it, it's really easy to get agents deployed. I think there is still a bit of a concern with agent bloat, however. Sure. Um, in, in again, when you see the interview with Philippe and Samed, you'll understand that they've done a lot of things to actually minimize how many agents you need on a box, which is yeah. really unique to them is because they've added so much capability to the Qualys platform, that their agent also supports a lot of that without requiring a bunch of additional agents. And Rapid7 and, and so, is, is very much the same way in, in, that, in that vein, right? It's one unified yep. agent, and you can pick and choose different uh, products from Rapid7 that all utilize that one agent, cover a lot of bases exactly. yep. with one exactly agent. Exactly right, yeah. And so you don't get agent bloat. Because that's the other thing that the uh, IT teams are going to um, be concerned with. Mm -hmm. uh, and then each agent works differently. Like you said, we could do a whole segment just on the differences in the agents, but we'll save that for another day. Yeah, and I think local scanners are still in play when you have local infrastructure. Mm -hmm. to look at. More of, I think, not so much, I mean, they're all remotely accessible vulnerabilities that your local scanners are going to look for and ultimately discover. I like local scanners to tie into that asset management piece as well, which is, could be, a whole, again, a whole different series of segments on yeah. how you do asset management. But if something's going to go out on the network and look for things, certainly it's going to contribute to discovering assets that either you didn't know about or are new since the last scan.
Correct. And they're going to be either hardware based or virtualized now. Mm -hmm. um, those two models still exist for, for local scanners. You're either buying a box or, or you're just downloading the virtual scanner software and putting it on a box, but that's how they're typically deployed. Same in, same in the cloud environment. If, if you want an image, an AMI, uh, you can typically download, yep. download those from uh, the, the marketplace and, and run those on an instance uh, in, in your cloud environment too. Uh, integrations I had there on kind of your deployment uh, scenarios, and I think that integrations tie into all the major areas of deployment practice and, and ultimately reporting, right? What, what are you integrating with? Why are you integrating with? Uh, why are you integrating that technology? And what's the integration look like? Is it unidirectional? Is it bidirectional? What capabilities are built into that integration? Certainly is in any acquisition of technology uh, an important point. Yeah, most of the big three are going to support things like ServiceNow integration from mm -hmm. either an asset management reconciliation process and or a ticketing process. Yep. Uh, both are kind of important, actually, from, from that perspective with ServiceNow. Uh, you'll see integrations into other security uh, technologies potentially, some supported, some not supported. Yep. Um, and that is to integrate across multiple platforms into other platforms. So you'll see integrations with the different SIM providers. You may or may not see supported integrations with the TVM vendors, but th those are out there as well as people are trying to integrate data. So you really have to kind of look at where some of those integrations, where are those standard integration packages based mm -hmm. on what you're using, and, and how do you want to move data around? Um, do you want them, you know, bi-directional sync of asset and ticketing information into your service now? Do you want integration into your SIM? Who's supporting your technologies for those base integrations? Yeah, I think that really <clears throat> ties nicely into, you know, in practice, how you're going to use it in specifically the remediation and ticketing process uh, is probably one of the top issues with integrating vulnerability management and patching into that unified kind of process, right? When the scanner or however is deployed finds an issue, how is it tracked? Who is it assigned to? How do you track when it's been fixed? And then how do you verify that it's been fixed and keep that loop, that loop going, right? And integrations, yeah. I think, are a huge part of that. And that's going to be different for everyone, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the big use cases I always saw when I was traveling for Temple was just a simple closed loop patching process. That's yeah. what people wanted. They, they, we identified a vulnerability. We knew the patch that was missing. All the customer wanted was the ability to apply the patch, rescan, yep. verify it's closed, done. Now, for the longest time, you really didn't see that capability from the traditional vulnerability management vendors. You had to do this through integrations. Yep. It was earlier this year when Qualys introduced the patching capability uh, into the Qualys uh, platform where they can actually start to do that closed loop process now. But that's pretty unique to them. The other two mm -hmm. really haven't gone after that to the same extent. Now, I know Rapid7 has a lot of orchestration automation capabilities with their command acquisition. Sure. And my guess is they're working on third-party integrations for patching, but I haven't checked on where they are with that lately. So it's possible Rapid7 could do some aspects of that through the command acquisition. But Tenable still, it, it's completely external integrations to, to do that. And one of our sponsors, Automox, I think is really strong in the patching uh, arena, largely because we use it here, right? And so I would totally look for an integration there because Absolutely. they've got a lot of capabilities that are just 
unique to that. The ability to support all three major operating systems, right? Mac, uh, Linux, and Windows uh, is huge. Um, yeah. And so to tie that together would be a no-brainer in my, in my mind. Yeah, and I know we've had, you know, because I advise uh, Automox mm. um, as well still, and you know we've we've had some discussions with the Rapid Seven folks. I believe they've uh, started some deeper conversations with Tenable mm -hmm. because those would be logical integration points mm -hmm. um, to, to integrate patching and vulnerability management together. Yep, absolutely. Um, of course, I think usability and the ability to define roles are tied together. Um, I, I think it's, you know, very quickly when you start doing vulnerability management, when I started trying to do that, you know, 15 plus years ago, I was like, I can't scan everything and I can't be responsible for tracking all scanning of all these different things, right? Because don't forget, you're not just scanning your data center or scanning your endpoints. You've got applications, you've got infrastructure that you've deployed in maybe tons of different cloud or, or hosted environments, right? You've got mobile devices, all your assets and uh, infrastructures everywhere. How do I divvy that up so that the individual teams, developers maybe, systems administrators, can go do their own scans and do the whole process themselves, right? Me, a security person, I don't want to be the person. Up. I think we had this conversation, I forget where, right, that largely security has taken an operational role because we had to, but the goal is that we don't necessarily have to participate in that operations that we provide that threat modeling that security intelligence to the process that exists i think the usability and ability to define roles is critical to hey windows admins you can go do your thing you can have this thing run it's going to tell you where there are exposures you can remediate it and i can see a summary report right i mean when we're at tenable that was one of the I think biggest selling points to a security center, but you could allow those individual departments, uh, subdivisions or whatever, do their own thing and monitor it from an enterprise level. Yeah. And this is where tagging came into play back in, you know, 2010 through, you know, 2012, 2013, yep. the ability to automatically update asset groups and permissions based on what you were seeing, because it's hard to, to manage all these assets from your CMDB, right? Yeah. As good as the there has as to be good an as owner. or as bad, right? And, and how do you know who the owner is unless you can dynamically identify who those owners right. are based on data you're getting back? So, you know, through the through the mid 2010s, there we, mm -hmm. we were doing a lot with tagging to make it easier to auto update these groups. I think all three vendors, the major vendors, do a really good job of providing that role-based access, the ability to define asset groups, and the ability to assign permissions across, um, at least in your basic device vulnerability management capabilities. I think they're all pretty close to the same. I don't see a lot of differences there these days, Paul. Mm. Um, it's when you start to go after some of the other capabilities in the platform, then things might get a little different. Now, we, we've had a lot of discussions about coverage. Um, when we fast forward to today, I, I think coverage really comes down to what's most important to you and likely you're going to acquire some other technologies or get that extra coverage data from somewhere else, right? Like I think of Eclipsium, identifying all those vulnerabilities inside the firmware and subsystems inside of all your PCs and servers, right, as a, a gap in coverage, air quotes coverage, yet if that's really important to you, you're probably going to go find another solution and then integrate that in. The base coverage 
yeah, there's some variances, but largely I don't I don't think it matters today because if you really I, care about certain exposures, you're going to find other your other you know Automox is going to go find those. It knows whether the patch is applied or not across all those three platforms, right? You you used to run these tests for mm -hmm. us on a periodic basis. You can count CVEs and QIDs and, and plug-in right. numbers until you're blue in the face. But what's the real difference? I, I think it's pretty negligible from the major vendors. They all have huge resource staffs mm -hmm. staying on top of these vulnerabilities, building out the appropriate plugins, QIDs, et cetera, to detect this stuff. I mean, they all made major investments there to do it. So where you're going to see gaps is when you more move outside of traditional device vulnerabilities, yeah. um, firmware, applications, IoT, et cetera. Right, there's firms IoT. dedicated to IoT, social media. I mean, it's a million different directions, right? And it depends on what's most important to your uh, security program and the risk profile of your organization. Exactly. Um, and, and that brings us really to other functionality as well, right? And I, I think this is interesting decisions that enterprises have to make as there's been a lot of new vendors in a lot of different categories and the big three vulnerability scanning companies management companies have adopted their own web scanners their own configuration auditing their own asset management their own file integrity monitoring which of those do you rely on that vulnerability management platform which ones do you integrate for uh, other reasons uh that's really when you're evaluating you have to take that in consideration and define a roadmap, and that's going to differ between organizations vastly. Yeah, and it actually goes a little broader than that. If you look at what Rapid7 has done with the log entries acquisition, yep. Insight DR, the command acquisition, they're moving into detection, response, incident response, security orchestration, automation. Like a full suite of security like, yeah, um, end solutions, to end. basically. Yeah. Right, exactly. Very horizontal from a strategic perspective. Yep. And if you're a small to medium enterprise and you can't go out and afford you know, a multi-million dollar implementation of Splunk and all these other things, mm -hmm. you start to look at what Rapid7 has built as a much right. more horizontal, holistic strategy. Great solution that. that. might be... Yeah, that yep. might be very attractive to you because I can get I can get my device vulnerabilities, my application vulnerabilities, I can do my log correlation, mm -hmm. I can pull that into detection and response, I can use aspects of orchestration to help me manage that. That is a very unique capability of Rapid7 because of their strategy and their acquisitions over the years. Where you take somebody like a Tenable who's primarily been focused in device vulnerability management moved a little bit into application and containers, mm -hmm. but then moving up the stack right into their prioritization capabilities and trying to bring right. more of that risk exposure prioritization into the stack. That is kind of where they're heading. You know, that's a very vertical um, kind of strategy. But when you look holistically at who's done the most, I mean, Qualys has built a lot of functionality. Yeah. I mean, you have traditional vulnerability management who bought brought in configuration web app scanning web app firewall file integrity monitoring mm -hmm. they bought layered insight to do container security on it they've added patching uh, i i call it the concentric rings right they they've kind of started with a core base of vm and just yeah. kind of built out built adjacency that. capabilities where they've built out a really broad portfolio of capabilities all in a single platform and all available with a single agent, which is also attractive 
to certain organizations. And you're going to have to develop requirements in each of those areas, right? I think as an example, if my organization had a lot of off-the-shelf web applications, I'd probably adopt Qualys and use their web app scanner to do that. If I had a lot more in-house stuff, I might go in a different direction for web app scanning altogether, right? And containers right. is the same is the same thing. Yeah, you have to decide how much of it is off the shelf versus custom and how much coverage are you going to get? How much depth do you need or want mm. versus breadth? How much automation do you want? I mean, those are a lot of factors that play into some of these other capabilities and how you decide whether, you know, you buy a separate solution or you just, you know, add another capability from Qualys in the mix. Right. And also looking at your cloud uh, presence as well. How can, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to that, that was a lot of technologies were being built in, uh, you know, several years ago. And then I think there's a lot of vendors that can do that separately, right? So if I have an Amazon AWS uh, instance and I'm using various pieces of functionality, how do I audit my configuration of Amazon and make sure it's secure? Do I rely on my vulnerability scanning vendor to do that? Or... Do I have some other vendor? Maybe it's straight configuration man. We talked SaltStack, you know, is a sponsor, did a webcast with us, right? Cloud Needy sits on that. Another sponsor, right, sits on that. Um, cloud auditing and managing your configuration side. Do you use both? That Those are all things that have to go into your evaluation. Yeah, and they're at different levels. I mean, really what the traditional vulnerability management guys are doing is validating configuration of a device. So, Windows, yep. Linux, Mac operating system against CIS benchmarks. Yep. We can debate the pros and cons of the different approaches. Again, we could create a whole segment on that. But that's separate than auditing your cloud configuration, which is yes. at your cloud management console, right? And you probably need a combination of both. Mm. You're going to need some of those cloud management uh, solutions along with if you're running dedicated instances and your infrastructure as a service, you're going to need it at that layer because both of those sets of configurations matter. And the ability to change configuration uh, as part of that, right? Which is typically what the other vendors vendors will give you is a process to say, and we've talked about it on the show, right? You can't deploy this system or this application because its configuration is so far out of uh, scope from what we define as a good secure configuration that we're going to stop the build process for X amount of time or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, this is where immutable infrastructure and DevOps comes in and creates a little interesting um, concern or issue maybe for some of the traditional security mm. solutions, VM being one, is do I really need to worry about patching a system? Do I really need to worry about changing the configuration of a box? Or is it just part of my build process mm -hmm. to take down the old one and pop up a new one? Right, exactly. Uh, I think really important that it ties into reporting as well is how it fits in my operations. How do tickets get created? How do they get remediated? And how do I prioritize? I think that's the big, obviously the big issue we've talked about on the show before, prioritization. There's a whole category of vendors, right, that help provide that prioritization of your various vulnerabilities and other exposures uh, that you have. And the big three have made some strides, tried to make some strides in that area, but that category still exists uh, where basically it's another third party you can go to, like a Canon or RiskSense or uh, NOPSEC, right, that will help you give that color to your results, not just from your vulnerability scanners, but from everything else that can identify some type of exposure. 
Yeah, I mean, Tenable's really tried to move into the prioritization space mm -hmm. and really do a better job of that natively. The one challenge today is it's only based on Tenable data. Yeah. Now, they do say that they're going to open up to third-party data sources at some point. But the reason the TVM vendors exist is they can correlate vulnerability data across multiple sources and prioritize yep. on top of that. And that has a very unique set of capabilities because... Look, I've seen enterprise customers running Qualys and Tenable. Yeah. They'd be running Qualys externally for all their external assets because of the cloud and mm -hmm. PCI and other things. They might be running Tenable or Nessus under the covers. Who's going to correlate that data? That's why the TVM market exists. You put right. a Kenna or a Nopsec or a RiskSense or a or whoever write, on top of it. Or they write something in-house to, to manage that that's yeah, very specific to. to them. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Kaiser built their own way back yeah. in the day. They a used lot to take of enterprises all the did. Data out, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but now there's commercial versions that do that and make it a lot easier to use multiple vulnerability solutions and be able to bring all that data back, prioritize it, and take better action off of it. And I think that's where, you know, there there is still more to do in that space. The other part is it's not about a report anymore. It has to be about some integration into another ticketing into process or workflow. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. that's how we're going to get ahead of this. And, and that is integrating results into some of the other tools that exist in the DevOps pipeline or in your IT service management pipelines that are going to make it easier for the actions to actually get done. And handing a customer a 300-page report it, it is useless today. Yeah. You, you have to have all those other data points that help you determine the actual risk to your organization, right? Compensating controls is a big one. Um, you know, back to asset management, do I actually have this stuff and where is it and how exposed is it? Was it in a development environment? What, you know, whatever. Um, I think the last thing on reporting too is, you know, executive reporting and trending is important regardless of which systems you choose and which ones you integrate together. You and we talked about some of this executive reporting recently in, in different contexts, but having the the trending is important. And being able to go to your executive team, whether you're going to your CISO or your CISO is reporting to the board or others in in your organization, how do you report on the state of what is our overall security posture, right, or lack thereof? Yeah, I mean, this really boils down to what are the set of metrics you're going to report up to the executive team and the board. This is where I thought Tenable did something really well with the assurance report cards in Security Center. Yep. The ability to define a set of metrics to uh, capture and trend against, I thought yep. was a really interesting concept because it gave organizations the flexibility in Security Center to define what those specific metrics were, allow them to track them and trend them, so that they could actually use the assurance report cards as a way to communicate up into the executive and board level. Um, that's probably the most advanced capabilities I've seen in the traditional Agreed. VM vendors. I forgot about that. those. Yeah, th mm -hmm. that's really cool. Awesome. So hopefully that was helpful to folks uh, to evaluate uh, and take into consideration all those factors when looking at vulnerability management solutions. That will conclude this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. Thank you everyone for listening and watching. We'll see you next time.